Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. But what would it be like to be a superhero? And what if I told you it's possible? What if I told you that it's not a fantasy as a child, but it's actually the mark of maturity as a man and a woman in Christ? (laughs) What if I told you that God might have made ordinary people, but he all wants us to be extraordinary in what we do with our lives? It is possible. It's crazy possible. You know, one of my favorite stories, and it's a true one, was actually an insurance claim that was given in by a lady on the accident of her husband. It's a crazy little story, and it's sort of hard to believe it's true, but it's actually his. Here's what it kind of said. It said, Dear Sirs, as she's writing to her insurance claim, she said, I need to share with you the accident that my husband was involved in. You see... He gets up before I do in the morning and he was off to work. And then when I crawled out of bed, I went to get myself ready for work. And when I went to spray my hair, the hairspray can was empty. Good thing was I had a backup can. So I threw that can away and I pulled out the new one and began to hairspray my hair. And when I set it down, it wouldn't shut off. So using wisdom that I had, I lifted up the toilet seat and I let it drain its entire contents down into the toilet. I then shut the lid, threw the can away and went off to work. My husband always comes home for lunch, and I knew that he was there for lunch because things were still out on the counter, but while he was fixing it, he must have thought he needed to go to the bathroom. When he got to the bathroom and sat down in the toilet, he must have thought it was a good time to go ahead and just light up a cigarette. When he did, the entire toilet exploded, throwing him into the wall, busting his collarbone and fracturing three ribs. Now, listen this carefully. Why do I say it? Because that's an ordinary man doing an ordinary thing and sat down to do something that we all do that's quite ordinary. He was expecting absolutely nothing, but in that moment, he got completely blown away. And I think that you would agree that I think God wants to do the same with us. And I want you to listen to this. I believe that the extraordinary living that God wants us to live is found in the ordinary life that you have. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. You see, what happens is, is that when we're a child, we have dreams. And my Bible says we're to come to heaven as a child, and I think it's one of those things that we lose as an adult that greatly hinders the work of Christ. You see, as a child... We play the games and we think about what will it be and hopefully one day maybe I get to be one of those people. But then we enter a harsh world, don't we? And we kind of slip into the fact that maybe my life doesn't matter. I'm just an ordinary person doing an ordinary thing. And yet, I believe the Bible says, and that's exactly what you need to be doing when you understand it from my perspective. I like what President Abraham Lincoln once said. He said, God must love the ordinary, for it seems he made so many of them. And it's true. I think it's the secret that our everyday, ordinary lives 
that same old, same old ordinary thing that we do is the secret to discovering God's extraordinary work. Because it's the ordinary that makes the world go round. It's the ordinary people that serve us every day. It's the ordinary people that go to an office and do what so many other ordinary people do. But when you can discover that it's not ordinary to God, it begins to change people's lives. And I want to help you with that. Folks, let me say it this way. We can easily overestimate what God can do in the short term. But more importantly, I think we most often underestimate what God can do with a lifetime of the ordinary. Over the long haul, what God is wanting to do. And so in leading up to Easter, I want us to discover what it means to be a superhero. And so we're going to look at some ordinary people in the Bible because that's all the Bible's full of. But God did some extraordinary things through them. And it was a game changer. And I want us to learn some lessons. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. New Testament book, Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at the life of Moses today. And we're going to learn four lessons that Moses learned about what it means to be ordinary and discover what God can do in making extraordinary things. Hebrews 11. And I'm going to begin in the 24th verse. Now, this won't be on the screen. And throughout the series, I'm not going to put it on the screen because I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you don't have one, we'll get you one. But see, I want to be a church that people don't just come and call themselves Christians. They're Christians who understand what it means to come and to come prepared. I want you to know that nothing more matters in your life than the Word of God. I can't do that for you. I can't guilt you. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just here to tell you that if you're not in this, then you're probably in the world because you can't do both. Jesus said that. This is the game changer. If you want to know what it's like to go through struggles, we've gone through struggles, but this was the key. If you want to know what it's like to build a marriage, and my marriage should have come apart, but why did we get to where we are? It's this right here. This is the answer to everything, people. It's the Word of God. And so I want to help you with it, and I want to keep encouraging you to bring it, but you want to might today write all over it. So I'm in Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at an ordinary dude named Moses. Here's what it says in verse 24. By faith, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, that's a key word, grown. I want you to circle that. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy sin, the fleeting pleasures of it. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him. And we're talking about Jesus there, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment because there's some of you that think you're scholarly. And you might want to come and argue and say, well, that would be impossible for him to see Jesus because he was Old Testament and Jesus wasn't born yet. And I'm just going to tell you what one of the greatest scholars right now still living today, Dr. Walt Kaiser, says. 
that the moment you say that, you obviously don't believe in the Trinity. Because Jesus himself said, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. I was in the beginning, I was in the end. In John, you can read, he said the word was God. He was with God. And I love what Walt Kaiser says. What so many people miss. That's why you can't separate the old and the new. And the moment you do that, you make the claim that God does change and God doesn't change. The God in the New Testament is the same God in the Old Testament, people. He's the one that I learned to coin, this is God's love letter. There's more love, he would say, in the Old Testament than in the New Testament when you understand who God is. And he would say, if you don't see it that way, that's just because you're human and we still don't have the insights. He's one of the most profound men that I know. He's learned the Bible. I believe that he has the entire thing memorized, and I'm not kidding. When I said in his classes, I never seen him open the Bible once, but I heard him quote thousands of scriptures throughout the class, and every one of them were accurate. His entire Bible is in Hebrew, of which he studies, as well as Aramaic. He's one of the most brilliant men I know, and yet he's one of the most profoundly simple people that I know. But he says this, when the prophets were writing about the forecoming of Jesus, they were not writing by just mere inspiration that God was putting on their heart. They were not just writing about Jesus who was coming. They're writing about Jesus who already was. And that was profound for me. That's what makes the Bible so amazing and the power of who God is. But it says right here in Scripture, people, so if we're going to claim Scripture... The Bible simply said what? That Moses, by faith, by faith, because he saw him, Jesus, who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, by faith. Four lessons that Moses learned that Moses, who lived an ordinary life, would experience extraordinary things because there's four things that he understood that I think we need to learn as well. And I want you to write the first one in. And here it is, church. Moses learned, lesson number one, to be himself. Moses learned to do what? Come on, church. Moses learned to do what? Be himself. Not someone else. Not who his mommy wanted him to be. Not who his daddy wanted him to be. Not the fictional thing that he thought he needed to be. Moses learned to be who God made him to be. Did, did you know the chances of two people having the same identical fingerprint? Just one finger. Not all ten. But the chances of two people having the same identical fingerprint is one in one billion. But the chances of siblings who are not twins, to have the same DNA is one in 70 trillion. You say, why do I say that? Well, the world's only 7 billion in population, which means there's really only one you. There's only one you. How cool is that? There's nobody like you. And if no one's going to be you, who's going to be you? And you might stop and say, well, why is that so important? Because God makes all things good. And so when you don't like to be you, you don't like what God made. And I would say that's a dysfunction. Because if God wanted you to be someone else, he'd have made you be someone else. And by the way, when you're pursuing all that greatness, 
To much is given, much is required. God wants you to be you. It's one of the greatest things when we understand this. Moses got this. See, I don't know if you know the story of Moses. Some people think they do. But Moses was a Jew. He was born a Hebrew child. But because of fear of death, when Pharaoh said, we're going to wipe out all the firstborn of the Hebrew children, Moses' mommy got a little fearful and she had an idea. I'm going to try to spare his life. So she put him in a basket and put the basket in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. And she fell in love with the baby. And she raised Moses in the palace. So he's born a Jew, but he's raised as an Egyptian. And somewhere in his life, he's got to decide, who am I going to be? I can't play both. You see, I say this because some of us call ourselves even Christian, but we're seeing people die and go to hell. Who are you going to be? You see, Moses was a Hebrew child, and he's watching his people be persecuted and killed and beaten. And Moses had to decide, does that matter to me or doesn't it? It's an interesting moment. Folks, listen to this. That decision will determine the rest of your life. Your entire life right now is being lived out on what you chose to be. And if you're struggling as a Christian, it might be because you're not really being one. It's hard for God to bless people he knows in their heart are far away. What really is your identity? Would the people at work say, they're a Christian? Would those in your own home say, my daddy and mommy are Christians? Who are you? Who are you? Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. Notice the evidence of maturity here. The evidence of maturity. When he grew up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I am not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew child of God. And you might think, why is that a big decision? Because Moses was next in line to be Pharaoh. He was being raised to be the next Pharaoh. Folks, that is a big deal. He could have lived a life of ease. He could have lived a life of fame and fortune and comfort. Everything he wanted, he would have been the guy in charge. But he makes a decision that would cost him the next 80 years of his life. Not the next eight months. The next 80 years of his life. Look what the Bible says in verse 25. So Moses chose... He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Why? Because that's who I am. Rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. The most liberating gift you can give yourself is to be you. Be you. Here's lesson number two. Moses learned to accept responsibility for his life. Moses learned to do what? 
Accept responsibility. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. It's about four guys. Their names are everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Anybody ever heard that story? I love this story. Four guys. Their names are everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Here's the story. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. <laughs> so it ended up that everyone, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody else could have done. <laughs> Crazy story, but it makes a point, isn't it? No one took responsibility, and therefore, nothing got done. Imagine if a church this size took responsibility to be themselves, their ordinary life, and to go out and lift up the name of Jesus. A church this size could change a city of Sioux Falls. But we'll never know if you don't take responsibility for it. You might go, really, just little old me? Moses changed an entire world. Moses, who was nobody, just an ordinary guy. And he was 80 years old when God did not renege on a promise. And somewhere around three to four million people were completely saved from the tyranny of being completely wiped out. And because of Moses, just one guy, you and I are having church today. Powerful what God can do with the ordinary when you accept responsibility. Proverbs 28 says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes, a man who refuses to take responsibility can never be successful. Never, never, never. Time Magazine now describes us as a generation of finger pointers. That's how they see us. We like to pass the buck, point and make the blame. But accepting responsibility says, I own my choices. My life is exactly where I chose it to be. I can't blame anyone. This is my life. I love this stuff. Look at verse 25. Moses chose to be mistreated. He chose. He made a decision. Folks, life is a choice. That's all it is. And how we choose is critical. Listen to this very carefully. Life is not something you take as it comes. Life is something you make as it goes. You don't just go through life and go, well, okay, I'll take that. You know what I mean? You probably deserve it. Life is something you make. Every time something bad happens that the world calls bad, I got a choice. I can react or I can respond. And one of them leads one way and one leads the other. Amen to that? Amen. Folks, accept responsibility. Here's lesson number three. Moses learned to establish his values. Moses learned to establish what? His values. Jesus said, Jesus said, for where your heart is, there your life will also be. What you value is your life. You're living the life based upon your values. Everybody is. That's why I said we give her money to what we value. We invite people to what we value. We go do with our time what we value. And you don't just come up with those. The question is, what do you value? And should those values change? 
Moses teaches that, and there's a word that so many people miss. It's in verse 26. Look what it says. Moses regarded. Would you circle that word? Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures in Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. There's so much impregnated in this verse. Do you know what the word regarded means? It means to weigh and balance. He didn't just go, okay, I'll do that. Moses stopped and said, okay, where do I want my life to be 20 years from now? Can I give you an incredible piece of wisdom as a parent? When my kids get 20, 30 years down the road, how do I want their marriage to be? You're teaching them today what matters. You don't wait for them to get married. You show them what marriage is. Now, they might wander, but the Bible, the promises never return void. Put the seed in their lives. They'll come back to it. They'll come back. And that's why we do what we do, and we try to teach you that. Where do you want in your life 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now? You make those decisions. And if you're an older person, say, I don't have 20, 30 years. Then really, you're just going to throw it away? What do you want 10 minutes from now or 30 minutes from now or a few days from now? Moses took the time to weigh and balance, to consider, to evaluate the worth. And the Bible says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than treasure. Because he was looking ahead to heaven. He was looking ahead to what really matters. So what do you value? Because that's what you're living for. I will tell you about three couples that were standing at the pearly gates. They learned a priceless value. What really mattered. The first couple stepped forward and Peter looked at them. And they looked at Peter and said, well, is our name in the book? And Peter said, no, it's not in the book. I know who you are. All you did was value money. Money, 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 money. And the fellow said, what do you mean? He says, clear down to your wife. You wouldn't even marry a woman unless it was about money. The man goes, what are you talking about? He goes, what's her name? He goes, well, Penny. See what I'm saying? <laughs> the next couple walks forward and stands before Peter and says, well, is our name in the book? And Peter says, no, it's not. All you did was value alcohol, 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 alcohol. He goes, clear down to your wife. You wouldn't even marry a woman unless it had to deal with alcohol. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, what's her name? He goes, Sherry. See what I'm talking about? The other couple didn't even step forward. The husband just said, well, we better go, Fanny. Anyway, um, but church, listen. But the reality is we do live life on what we really value. What do you value? And 30, 40 years from now, will it return the way you think it will return? And will it affect others? for eternity. The world offers three. That's all they really offer. Pleasure, possessions, and power. And you could put power and prestige together, but it's possessions, it's pleasure, it's power. And Moses had every one of them, and yet he walked away from every one of them. Why? And I want to help you real quickly. Here's why. Moses determined that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Fitting in is so fleeting. But faithing up matters. But yet it's why so many struggle. That's why so many people play to the crowd. Because they don't get 
purpose. They'd rather fit in for a moment. In fact, I can tell you almost every alcoholic started because they wanted to fit in and someone said, hey, why don't you be like us? And now one drink is destroying their lives, wrecking their homes, making them feel so full of crap. And where are those friends today? It's why so many compromise their morals. Well, if I don't give him this, he might leave me. And ladies, can I tell you, let me learn, learn and teach you a word. Bye. Because yep. <laughs> he's going to anyway. Because he's telling you what he values. If that hurts a bunch of guys, I won't apologize. And the only reason you won't come back, because you know I just exposed you. And I gave you a gift, if you'll accept it. Moses understood God's purpose is more important than fitting in and popularity. Because he knows one minute you're on the mountain and the next minute they're burying you beneath it. It's just called life. And you know what? You need to decide. You need to decide. Do my friends try to get me on top of the mountain? Or are my friends trying to get me underneath it? Hebrews 11.24 says when Moses had grown up, notice the maturity, he refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter. Here's the second thing that Moses understood about establishing values. He determined that God's people are more valuable than pleasure. See, because pleasure is always selfish. And Jesus said, think of others more important than yourselves. Verse 25 says, he chose to be mistreated along with people. Why? Because they're hurting, I'll hurt with them. I'm not going to stand alongside and just let them be hurt. Sin is fun for a time, folks. You'll have your kicks, but there's always kickbacks. And we need to learn this. That's why we're to love people and use stuff, not love our stuff and use people. But here's number three. Moses determined that God's peace is more valuable than possessions. Folks, there's some things that money can't buy. Do you know want to know what it is? It's called peace of mind. You can't buy it. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things. Let me say it again. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things, and yet so many in the church still think it does. And I can prove it with one word. Tithe. If that offends you, you think a man's life is about how much they have. I'm just telling you. There's a fourth lesson here, but I thought last weekend was pretty cool. 152 people got baptized. That's awesome. That's just awesome. 152 people. And I, I'm telling you, it was so moving to me. I, I, I called up uh, uh, Pastor Carmen uh, later that day, and I said, Carmen, that might have been the best thing we've ever done. And Carmen goes, that's funny you said that, because 15 minutes ago I told my wife those same words. Then later on I was hanging out with Pastor Chris, our worship dude, and and we were hanging out, and, and uh, we were talking about the same thing. I said, Chris, that might have been the best thing you've done. He said, Keith, I've been with you since the beginning, and I would agree. I had the same thought. When you watch people, because, you listen, 
You can market a church. You can do all the cool stuff. You can bring in speakers. But all that means is you're just entertaining people. And they'll only come until the entertainment's gone. And you can take everything away, but you can't take someone's story away. And when that happens on the stage, that's just what Jesus did. That ain't what I did. I mean, that's just Jesus. And it's just so cool. But there's the fourth lesson that's key to it. But I thought I would just kind of set it up. So I want you to look at the screen. Watch this. I was running my broken heart in. I was sinking so fast I couldn't last Falling apart and You could have run away Leaving me there in my shame Leaving me fighting my pain But you made a better way oh, oh, oh. I've been saved Goodbye to the center I'm held by the Father above No more shame Born out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Yeah. I've been waiting for this moment Heartbroken hands open I took my life and put that in God's hands I gave him all of me, all of my plans Now I'm set free I know you showed up with the light show Started running when the chains broke You saved me and you gave hope I've been changed by you Born again to the end I'm shining like gold, I'm ready to go Can I tell you something just happened in this room that means so much to me? And I, I know that, that it may not mean anything to you, but something happened in this room. We're watching a video, you know, we're getting close to the end and no one got up and went to the door. Please don't hear that as a negative. That warms my heart. We're becoming God's church more and more. That I think God's smiling and God's going to open up the floodgates of heaven and do things that we're just going to sit back and go, wow. I'm just telling you, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You might stop and go, oh, he notices. Oh, yeah, you notice. But it warms my heart. Because what we're starting to really do in our own lives is say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I mean this. I think in this church, we're, we're coming a church that everybody's starting to say, man, I really want what Jesus has. And I'm, I can't tell you how much that makes heaven smile. Because Jesus said, you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. To love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. <clears throat> Here's the fourth lesson, because it's key to those people that made decisions. Moses learned to keep his eyes on the prize. Moses learned to do what? <laughs> that prize being Jesus. Amen. Folks, life is filled with distractions. We know that. The devil is relentless because he hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. He hates your life. 
And I already told you, every moment of every one of your days, even while you're sleeping, he's seeking to kill, to steal, to destroy, to steal your identity, to kill your life and the ripple effects means it will destroy a world. But Hebrews 11 says, but by faith Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. In other words, not worrying about the world. He persevered because he saw him. He kept his eyes on the prize. Problems are a part of life. And if we don't keep our eye on the prize, Jesus, our problems will become the prize. I'm not saying that we pretend there's no problems and ignore them. I'm just saying we better keep our eyes on the one who can walk with us through them. That's why Paul said, we fix our eyes. We fix them on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Folks, listen. I believe God wants to do extraordinary things with your life and with my life. But it happens in the ordinary world in which we live. When we choose to be faithful, when we choose to be obedient. You know, they tell us that a bar of steel, just a little piece of steel, is worth $5. But you make it into a horseshoe, it's worth 10 to 20 But when you manufacture that little piece of steel into some needles... It's worth about $350. But you take that little piece of steel and you make it into a delicate spring, into an expensive watch, it's now worth over $250,000. It just all depends on the hands of the manufacturer. It's just an ordinary piece of steel. Our ordinary lives become extraordinary in the hands of Jesus. Your life matters. My life matters. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He's not looking for a high IQ. He's looking for a willing heart. You want to be a superhero? You can. Right where you're living right now. Ordinary people who want to be the real McCoy. And God will begin to do some things that will blow your mind. So be ordinary. Mentor a child at Terry Redland and watch God do extraordinary things in their lives. Be ordinary. Lead a life group and watch God do extraordinary things in other people's lives. Be ordinary. Serve at one of our services somewhere in our children at a door and watch God do something extraordinary in someone else's life. Be ordinary. Maybe step out and say, it's time for me to accept a call in ministry and maybe you'll plant a church. And I wonder if ordinary Monty <laughs> is thrilled to watch God do extraordinary things and ordinary Wade and ordinary John and ordinary Michael, ordinary Jeff and the list goes on. How about just be ordinary and invite your coworker, invite a relative, a family member, Someone who's going to serve you at a table today. Someone you might run into at a basketball game if you're coming to watch. Just be ordinary and watch God do extraordinary things. I feel like one of the greatest superheroes in the world, people. It's amazing how many times I get a letter from someone and says, Pastor, you saved our marriage. Pastor, you saved my life. I know I didn't do it. Jesus did it. 
but I'm just ordinary Keith who is willing to step out and allow God to do extraordinary things. There's nothing special about me. Some of you stop and go, but look what all you can do. You can play a guitar. You can, oh my goodness. So can Phil Collins. So can Michael Jackson. It just depends who you do it for that makes the difference. That's all that matters. Just ordinary people who trust an extraordinary God and willing to say, here am I, and choose to be who God made you to be. Accept responsibility for your life. Establish values that have eternity on it. And then keep your eyes on the fries. And God will do extraordinary things. Amen. Father God, I thank you so much for this church. I'm the richest man in the world. I love being the pastor of this church. The fact is, I, man, I don't deserve that. It's only because of you that I get this unbelievable privilege to walk with the coolest people on the planet. God, we've witnessed it for so many years, but I still think there's greater days ahead because that's just who you are. And God, I thank you that week in and week out, we make our way here. Why? Because we love you. We love each other. And we just believe that, God, you're just going to do some cool stuff. We're just ordinary people. But choosing you, we get to do extraordinary things. God, thank you. And all God's people said...